Welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches. This podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Gymnazo podcast. I am your host, CJ Kobliska, the director of programming here at Gymnazo, and we've got another awesome guest on the show today. His name is Sean Pierce. He's a movement generalist. He's a movement practitioner, a coach, a barber, among many other things, and he's a gentleman that I've been inspired by gosh, for the past year, um, I want to say through just shares on Instagram. Never met him physically, but today we get to have him on the show and kind of break down his practice and chat more about movement and kind of the passion behind our practices uh, and hopefully dive into some other fun psychedelic things as well um, going on with our movement and our practice and with our coaching. So thank you, Sean Pierce, for jumping into the podcast today. Welcome on. Thank you, CJ. It's awesome to be here. How are you doing this morning, man? Well, I guess the evening there. What, what time morning. is it there? Same time as you, 1.30. Is it really? Yes, 1.30, <laughs> same time, California, man. Same cool. coast. <laughs> it's been great, man. It's been a really beautiful day. I've got my own movement practice in. I've coached other people. And so I feel like I've completed that loop of like exploring myself, looking at other people, helping them explore their own practice and that loop of taking in and then giving always for me leads to a pretty fulfilling day. So as of now, inspired to be here. I love how we get to have these conversations in this growing age of social media where we do get to be inspired by vastly different people, by different fields, by different role models. And so it's just awesome to add to that and keep this narrative growing of what movement is, what life could be. So thanks yeah, again for having me on. Of course. Um, I'm, I've been really inspired by uh, people's posts, people's shares, and um, even conversations that I've been just kind of tuning into through different podcasts and IG Lives and Facebook Lives, things like that. Um, and you really stuck out because of your personal practice. It's kind of like you have this uh, deeper dedication on the back end that a lot of people don't get to see, but a lot of movement practitioners uh, understand because there's no way you can do some of the things you do just picking up a kettlebell or a mace or even just sitting down on the ground and flipping and a backflip and side lunges and stuff. So um, if you don't mind breaking down, Sean, what, kind of what, what does your practice currently look like? If you could put it on like a daily basis or a weekly basis, or do you program out for like quarters or do you just kind of wake up in the morning and say, this is what I feel like doing today? Yeah, I Sometimes. Um, my movement practice is so much reflected in a quote that I hold really dear to my heart and that's follow your bliss. So follow your curiosity, follow what makes you come alive. I've got reminders of that quote on my Instagram page in my room. 
And so how my own movement practice has evolved and how I've grown in different areas, different disciplines is simply what am I really curious about? And so a while ago, maybe four years ago, I just made a really simple switch from what could my body look like to what could my body do? And it was just this question that changed how I saw movement itself, saw what the body was capable of. And that question alone just opened up a, a vast universe of more possibilities that just inspired me much more so, it was more intrinsically inspiring. And so it's changed so much from month to month, from year to year. But I'll ask myself, I'll even wake up and be like, what am I curious about? What do I feel like doing? My practice is very internally driven in that sense. I might wake up and I feel like I need flow. As I think we all do, I want to move in ways that aren't rigid and aren't linear because maybe my day needs that or my life needs more of that quality. Some days I wake up and I'm like, I want to put the work in. I want to go for the reps. I want to go for almost this warrior mentality of having a mission and accomplishing it. And so much more reps. I don't know if I'm straying away from the question, but I'm just shooting off. And um, so how for me, what has served me well is having an intention for why I do train, having some aim. And most of the time, what that looks like is seeing someone do something. For example, a windmill on the ground, just a breakdance move. I saw someone do that and I want to be able to do that. And I was coming from like being super interested in tricking and kettlebell stuff, but I saw something that someone did. I was like, I want to be able to do that. And so I start breaking down the process and breaking down the milestones to be able to tackle that movement. And that's usually the process I take in order to add to my movement diet or my movement repertoire. And so I see something, I'm like, well, I want to be able to do that. And I'll break down the different aspects of that movement I need, if that's mobility gain, if that's a strength gain of some sort, and then I just go to work. But as I follow that process, which is more curiosity-based, there's so much less effort involved. I find the stuff I'm able to achieve because it's intrinsically inspiring and it lights me up. My very act of me want me wanting to be able to do something that my body can't yet do, it's intrinsically rewarding. And so that journey to where I'm going is actually what's inspiring instead of just the end goal itself. And so in whatever I do and whatever I decide to improve on or progress in, I make sure there's an element of intentional curiosity. This is something that I want to do, not something that I'm comparing myself to. This person is able to do this. And so I want to be able to do that. I try and kind of dim down the ego and let my inner like, curiosity allow space for myself to really speak from a deep core and be like, what do I, what does my body want to do? How does my soul want to express itself in this discipline or that discipline or this movement or this pose? And then if it's truly inspiring, 
I'll stick to it. And it's so much easier to stick to it. So let me know if that, uh, when it gives us, yeah, man, it, it gives us a lot of, uh, a lot of places to shoot off for. So number one thing yes. I want to address is something you said actually initially, uh, mm -hmm. which is kind of going from this, uh, almost like focusing on aesthetics and what I look like to what it is I feel like or kind of want to do with my body. Um, mm -hmm. what in, when in your life did that start to become uh, kind of a louder voice of like, hey, let's, let's shift to now what can we do versus what can we look like? Because those two, I think, go hand in mm -hmm. hand, but one lends yeah. itself to a lot more opportunity and kind of mm -hmm. a more of a, uh, of a universal approach. Like you can go a lot of different routes to make changes with your body, but if you go just for the route of changing your body, you may get stuck in one path or a few that kind of limit your potential with how you can feel in your body, not just how you look. Um, so kind of, was there a, a certain type of training you, you uh, did or was there certain, something in your background that kind of shifted your um, sense of where you wanted to go and where you wanted to be? Yeah, beautiful question, man. Appreciate that. Hold on a second there, Sean. I think the, uh, you still there? Hold on, I think it froze real quick. Yeah, we're back now, buddy. Yeah, we're back, we're back. <laughs> I look like versus what my body can do. When I pursue what my body can do, your body is going to have to adapt either way. So you still get the aesthetics and you still get all of the... And uh, where did it start for me? I think as a younger kid, my pursuit was to become a professional soccer player. And in school, I was always athletically gifted. And I got to a point where I started dropping my training for soccer, my specialized training for what I could do within that soccer discipline for what I could look like. And I started really focusing on what I could look like and I think I very quickly realized that I was driven by something external that I could never quite get enough of. There's always someone who was going to quote unquote, look better than me or have a bigger chest or have bigger shoulders or whatever it was. And so I felt like I was chasing there's always going to be a comparison game and so i realized the question what can i look like involved a lot of comparison and so when i started to get into kettlebells i was that dude in a gym where everyone else was bodybuilding and i was figuring out kettlebells figuring out how to throw it how to clean it how to move more fluidly and what i felt from being able to freely explore simply lit me up much more simply gave me a lot more internal inspiration to continue moving to continue expressing myself and so as i progressed and i started allowing myself to follow that curiosity uh, movement flow which is a ground-based how do you explain it a ground-based flow system that introduced me to what I would now call flow state. It was very uh, 
it was it got me out of my comfort zone it was a lot of like hand movements and like fluidity and i was used to the very athletic rigid like powerful movements that are very linear and um as i started exploring more and more how to express myself my confidence grew so much. And so my journey of movement almost mirrors my journey of confidence and self-belief as I've gotten into more disciplines. I've been able to move in different ways and ask myself that question, what can my body do? I've almost unearthed different parts of myself that I wasn't able to just by bodybuilding or focusing on aesthetics. And so gradual to answer that question more as a synopsis it was gradual but it's been a a slow process of reminding myself that there's other questions i could ask myself to actually be inspired by what i'm doing in movement what can my body do what is it capable of just simply lit me up more made me feel better and so Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, it's, I think it's where a lot of um, coaches, trainers, practitioners are starting to gravitate towards in this day and age with a lot of unknowns, a lot of chaos, a lot of um, breakdown of kind of old traditional structures as we're trying to find a new kind of path in this realm of not just fitness, but healthcare and wellness itself um, and mind, body and spirit health and kind of understanding where each of us lie on that uh, spectrum, like within ourself, mm -hmm. our own little bubbles. and. Um, your, your path to kind of this practice that you're currently, that I currently witness and, and people see from the outside in, um, certainly is feel like a lot more sequencing and flowing and kind of almost like mm -hmm. uh, I was a wrestler, so like chain wrestling. It's putting techniques mm -hmm. together. So you're getting from one position to another position to another position, but it becomes more about the expression and the tension and the intent that you feel within those positions that changes the game. It's not just about the outside looking in. It's like your inside reflecting back out and people start to feel. It's a performing art in a sense, um, mm. but it's less about the performance and more about the expression and the experience for the person that's doing it. And that's a lot of what I see in your practice and a lot of others that are um, kind of diving more into this flow state and discovering it for themselves and what it means to be in the zone, what it means or what it feels like to be there for extended periods of time, and then even having mm. tools or practices that pull you into that state much quicker, much more effectively, um, and even much more efficiently. You're like, I can, I can rely on this piece or this movement or this practice to get me there, though the work is almost always the same. It's like you got to go through this state of curiosity, a bit of frustration, a bit of anger, a bit of boredom to kind of play in the spectrum of um, you know, in the, in the flow state, it's skill and it's challenge as the most basic sense is mm. what's your skill level in reference to what you're doing? Um, and, and then in terms of your challenge level, are you meeting those where they are? Or are you practicing, are you doing something that's so challenging that your skill level just hasn't leveled up yet? So now it becomes very frustrating. Or are you now so far ahead that you go back to some of these basics, but you're trying to just practice that technique and it becomes boring versus then mm. asking a question of what that experience is like in that state of boredom or kind of ease of movement. And I kind of find this ebb and flow in my own practice too, that some days it's really easy to get there. Other days it's like, I can't, I can't find it. Um, and we're never really there all the time, but it's the playful like, oh, oh dang it, I recognized it, now I'm out of it. I gotta be back in it, right? Um, so I guess, yeah, damn it. As soon as that camera's on, it changes everything, right? <laughs> 
Uh, but it's awesome. It's kind of like you start to reflect on yourself through this, this black mirror in a sense of uh, why am I doing this? How am I doing this? And what am I doing? And what am I trying to create here? Um, so I guess my next question kind of leads into um, when you started to, um, I know it was a gradual process, but started to kind of find that state for yourself, that, that playful state of flow and ease and like continuous curiosity. Um, what is it that works for you? What pulls you into that state or kind of into your expression of your practice that's very personal to you, if you don't mind sharing? Um, what do you find are the techniques or the skills or the um, intentions that you lead with besides curiosity? Like, what is it specifically maybe that somebody could take away from this to start to find it for themselves? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. Flow is very near and dear to my heart. So I feel when I can intentionally access what we call flow state, which is but how I find flow state, what it allows me to do is to truly be authentic and transparent. It's like the state where my insides, what I believe who I am, can actually come forth into my physical practice. It almost becomes a dance and like a, almost like a celebration of who you are at your core. And so it is challenging at times, especially when you do slap on a camera it's fun. I noted that in my mind. I was like, it is really interesting. And I do notice that how I'll be in flow state and I'll slap the camera on and I'll kind of, I'll be pretending to be in flow state. I'll be in fake flow state. And it's like, how do you intentionally access that flow state no matter what's going on? Because flow state mm -hmm. is an internal process. I do believe it's when we can surrender to not trying and we kind of let be there's a spontaneity and a effortlessness that comes from accessing these states. It's interesting. I found there's a lot of different ways to flow as you found yourself with different tools. You've been using a little, uh, little band and doing a lot of this stuff. I was like, dude, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> some, some, it's like uh, nunchucks called cursive coils. Nunchucks. Oh, cursive <laughs> coil. That's so cool, man. I need, to, I need to get one of those. There's so many different tools and disciplines that we can access flow. And I find flow is universal amongst everything. I can be in flow state when I'm talking to you. I can be in flow state when I'm writing something when I'm driving a car, whatever it is, I think there's a presence that you tap into that's really important. And um, there's a mindfulness of what you're doing, not only on the outside, but on the inside. It's just, uh, it's almost like you are literally on mushrooms and you're seeing the world new and everything has this new quality and you're just exploring like a kid so there's this novelty that comes with flow that is so addicting and for me almost the climax of my movement practice is being able to 
get to those states of flow. Now, I'm not sure if you asked me how I get there, the tools I use to actually get there, but I can dive into that if you'd like. Yeah, I guess give me, there's so many things, like you said, it could be in writing, it could be mm. in driving, it could be in conversation. And um, mm. I, I guess for those who kind of haven't tapped into it uh, multiple times, you know, like haven't found that, that kind of like speed boost or kind of that like jump start mm. or that like, I recognize this. Because um, I think there's, a, there's an aspect to recognizing it that pulls you out of it because you're like, whoa. Yeah. Um, but when you yeah. recognize it and then you keep going along that path, um, I think it is, we've said curiosity a lot, but what that looks like, at least in my mind, is mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's a continuous questioning without getting so caught up in finding an answer, but yeah. you're finding mm-hmm. answers through the next question or through the next process. So like in, um, I guess we're using a tool, for example, right now, um, let's say we're doing throwing the ropes around. Like for me, that's kind of an easy, quick way, and I find a lot of joy in it, and it's, it is a dance. Like that's... I don't rope flow anything but dancing. You know, like that's all I want to do. Um, it's a specific set of like techniques or things that you've practiced just to get the repetitions, things that you know how to do and you could do it while you're talking to somebody. You could basically be multitasking and doing the thing that's very complex to a certain extent without having to think about it. Um, but then as soon as you get back into recognizing what it is that you're doing, let's say it's just an underhand figure eight, as basic as that is with the ropes, if you start to just pay attention to all the pieces that are involved in that figure eight, like, hey, what are my hands doing? Okay, I'm gonna follow that thought. What are my elbows doing? Okay, ooh, my elbow, ooh, what do I feel now that my elbows are moving? I feel my shoulder blades, I feel my rib cage, but not only that, I'm recognizing my breathing is changing. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. can I change my breath while I'm doing this as opposed to mm-hmm. it just reacting? And through that process mm-hmm. that can seem overwhelming, when you just practice the basic piece first, which is just the movement or just yeah. the writing itself or just the driving. Like think about when you learn to drive a car and you have the steering wheel and you're like, okay, hands at 10 and two, the mirrors are gas set. Pedal. I know where the gas pedal is. Hopefully this isn't stick because I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And then you go. Eventually the driving now becomes, mm-hmm. okay, now I can, I can have a conversation with somebody while I'm still staring at the road, but I can process thought. I can process sound. And then you realize you have a stereo that you can change and you start to recognize you remember different stations or you're learning how to hook up your Bluetooth. And so all these things become very second nature that now Mm -hmm. that you're doing it, you are actually, you're doing it without thinking about it. You're kind of in this habitual Mm -hmm. routine state. But as soon as you recognize that you're in the routine state, that's when you can jump into, oh my gosh, there's a lot of things happening that are Mm -hmm. beyond even my process of thought. They're just happening. Yeah that then we're able to then question or see like when you're driving, you're looking at a rainbow or you're seeing the expression of the person in the car next to you or you're recognizing the the sound of the the music that you're listening to is hitting and striking a chord and you become, it's almost like, yeah, flow state's internal but you become your environment in that state too. Like the external is what's going on inside and they're just in constant interaction. So like for Mm. you, if what tool you're using or what things, do you kind of like, and you know you pick up a kettlebell or you pick up a mace or you go into some body flow, um, what are maybe some paths that you take or some intentions that you take that you know like, hey, in a, in a few minutes, like I'm gonna get lost in this. And we call that the mix. Like that's, you're just kind of getting lost in the, in the sauce, right? Yeah, and then you step yeah, out of it and you're like, oh, what, what was that flavor? And then you kind of step out of it and you're like, I'm gonna try to visit that again. What is it for you? Yeah. Mm. What do you do? Beautiful, man. I love the way you, you phrase all of that. 
It's interesting. I mean, I thought about a lot of things as you were talking, but that question, one of the ways I've actually really enjoyed explaining it is this dance between the masculine and the feminine and how this masculine, let's uh, break it down to a discipline like movement flow, which is this again, ground-based, um, probably the hardest discipline to actually describe. <laughs> Because your body it's is the tool, right? Dance, yeah, hundred percent. That's why, I like, when I explain stuff, like I got to use my body. It's like ground base. I don't know what you call it, dance. But anyway, so you have a system, you have a structured approach from which you learn the individual movements, and um, you know the movements, and it takes on this like staccato. Um, Hmm. When you understand certain separate movements, in my mind, flow becomes the effortless transition between those movements. And so when I'm doing something like, I'll take kettlebells as an example. And so there's movements like the clean and you learn the clean, you go from A, the ground to B, and you clean it up here. And you can say that that is the that is the movement and just like music music isn't played on the notes it's actually played between the notes and so it's the energy going from a to b that you have this flow control of that's making sense and so i find when you're able to learn a bunch of individual movements you're able to naturally developed a sense of flow through the transitions of these seemingly separate movements. And I find just like you had an example of the car and driving, we go from taking in information on a mental level to that over repetitions and repetitions of driving the car or doing a certain movement that becomes natural body intelligence. So we go from that conscious effort of trying to learn something, we do it so many times that it becomes unconscious and it becomes in pattern or imprinted in the body. And that's when I think we have access to flow state because we're able to do something without consciously thinking about it. And so it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned something about questions I really dug and that was, are we finding answers to the questions we're asking or can we simply just live in the question and maybe that's an answer itself maybe we i think we try and jump to answers so quick and that could be in movement am i doing this right am i not doing this right but i feel it's so much more fulfilling and joyful to just have a question in mind how fluid can i be how beautiful can i make this individual movement and you just that's it you just live in the question and you explore that question and that's what's taken me to i think some of the deeper slayers of my movement practice is just not getting hung up on expectations of what something should or shouldn't be it's just a constant exploration we learn to love the questions themselves and so 
Yeah. Thank you for it's beautiful, man. Love being able to share this. Yeah, I love being able to share this stuff. These are the conversations that light me up. And I feel uh, I've had a lot of these conversations lately with different people. And I feel like there's these under layers of movement that are being unearthed nowadays. And people are just beginning to pay attention. That movement is so much more than it may seem and can offer all these holistic benefits psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and physically. Yeah, there's a lot of non-specific gains um, and benefits that I feel like we're living in a day and age, at least in the Western culture, that's I need to know the benefit before I try it. Um, yeah. And yeah. it sets you up for an expectation that a lot of times is unrealistic because you're looking for that gain when you might be gaining in a lot of other dimensions of your mental health, your physical health, and even just a spiritual understanding and understanding, right, of being able to just express and say things out loud. And I think um, there's a lot of power, like you said, in, in it's the transitions. It's not A or B. It's not the position. It's what you did between those positions. It's what mm -hmm. happened between these notes. Because without mm -hmm. this in-between, it's just loud noises that you can't differentiate. It's just one it's constant robotic. thing. Yeah. And a lot of times we're trying to make it linear, like we need to go from A to B to C, but it could be A to one to a star to like a shape to like you're, you know, you're starting to combine a lot of these things that um, mm. our body and brain know how to do. Like that's just what we're born with this magic sauce within us that figures this stuff out. Because if it didn't, we'd be spending every nanosecond of our day telling ourselves to breathe, to blink, to swallow, to step, to reach, and not just to reach, but to say, hey, spine, move, hey, shoulder, move, hey, elbow. bicep and elbow, all these things. Like it's, just, it's so many things that it would just create this yeah. um, waterfall of sound that just blanks everything mm. else out that we can't enjoy it. So like the power in that pause and knowing that that mm. is that is the that is life <laughs> is like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. that transition. And so, I mean, that's how I kind of try to live my life right now is is make those things seem seamless, make the mm. coaching feel seamless, make going home and cooking dinner feel seamless and taking a shower and brushing my teeth and going to bed versus getting caught up in I have to do this, I have to do this next and mm. kind of these routines and habits that our body becomes accustomed to and our brain becomes accustomed yeah. to, that that's then the mirror that gets reflected back into our thought of like this is how it has to be. But by questioning and, and remaining in that state of questioning, it makes me think about, okay, you know, like the last day of our life and, and we close our eyes for the final time and we take that last breath is that we hope all of our questions are answered is like this general consensus like i hope things are answered and solved but is that really what we want or is that just like a, a kind of a bypassing of what we're actually here to do um and i know we're getting into like life and death and all this stuff we don't have to go too crazy into this because it's a fun conversation but I feel like that's with movement too in our practice. There's a, there's a birth, there's a life, there's a death in every single one of our days and in our practice and in our sets and reps that it becomes so reduced to just those reps and sets that we don't realize that there is a birth and a life and a death that goes on in every single one of those, um, that it can go right into the next rebirth. It's exercise one to your exercise two. Are those separate mm. or are they one and the same, just a different expression? It's a different mm. question. It's a different um, sensation. So, I mean, I don't really have a question for you, but more if you have any commentary on that of, uh, of still that questioning and how, I mean, I've gotten overwhelmed by questioning, questioning, questioning and be like, oh my gosh, what's the next question? And I didn't even get the yeah, answer for the yeah, last yeah. thing. And how can you step back and get back into that state 
Um, is there a simplified way or a, something to maybe recognize in your thought patterns, your process that gets you into a place that goes, um, like you're a center going outside into a full sphere versus I'm going in a straight line that I don't want to be in the straight line of questioning or thinking. Because that could be negative thoughts. That could be a negative feedback loop of when I think this thought, it leads to all these other thoughts. And we get stuck in thinking that's who we are when it's really just a thought pattern that we've yeah. been accustomed to. Uh, mm -hmm. What kind of steps you out of that linear thinking or that routine path since you've been practicing it for so long now, is there something or a way to just step out of that for a moment and be like, oh, there's other ways I could think about this or do this and I'm not gonna get so caught up in that one way? Mm. For, for you specifically. Yeah, beautiful. It's kind of taking a step back and feeling what you just asked me. So I think that's another mm -hmm. thing we, we, and allow our bodies to ask the questions or follow the curiosity. Hmm. Movement is forever going to be something we don't fully understand. I think a lot of people are like, I understand movement or I understand this <laughs> discipline, but it's like, there are so many different layers of movement that it's almost it's awe-inspiring it's just unbelievable to really think about how much we could move our bodies in a lifetime and the patterns and what it's capable of so that's a bottomless well from which we can explore first off it's pretty pretty fucking cool yeah i mean we talking earlier how like, overwhelming <laughs> Yeah, overwhelming, but how the body like unconsciously creates patterns and we don't have to consciously think about what we're doing. And like, let's take a moment to just appreciate and be grateful for like how freaking incredible these bodies are these machines. <laughs> yes. Which is um, key to a thriving movement practice is realizing that being grateful for what you have instead of what you think you don't have because you have a lot. And it's like, you can do beautiful stuff with what you have. And that actually leads me into, I believe what you were directing me to uh, rift on, which is, am I really here with my movement practice, with life in my present, or am I in some narrative? that is what I think should be or where I should be. And so um, Benjamin Hardy, just a doctor, a, a man, I've been reading his books. He's been really, really pivotal in the way I see life, but actually my movement practice as well. And he was defining this process, this concept called the gap and the gain. And so when you were in the gap, you are away from reality you are away from what is and instead you're thinking about what should be something happened to you and you say this shouldn't have happened yet it did happen reality what is is that whatever happened just happened and that could go in your movement practice whatever you just did you did but instead, we love to be in this place of like, well, that shouldn't have happened or I wanted this and that wasn't the way this turned out. So we create this gap 
with what is and what we think should be. And um, being in the gain is seeing what is and actually finding a way to be grateful for it. And so to try and relate this to movement, I see this a lot with comparison or when I'm trying to learn something that I've seen someone else do. And I do it all the time. I like, I, do, I see you moving or I see Jared moving or Leo or all these other people. And there's, there's always different aspects of each individual movement practice that is like, you guys do the best. There's always something in our movement practice that you individually are just so unique at that other people can help but see the gap between where they are and what this person has done. But um, being in the gain in that scenario is collapsing that comparison by seeing that it is a process and there is a quote unquote A to B, but it's not about getting there. It's about literally putting your head down and exploring and going, okay, well, what's that first step? And uh, my mind just went down the rabbit hole. But um, I find it really interesting how even in my own practice, I can get out of tune of what I'm doing. I'll be doing something, but my mind's completely somewhere else. And you get to understand and feel this bottomless well of movement when you get present with what you're doing. I think breathing is a great way to do that. But if you're again, like doing the clean, there are so many intricate little layers of what makes a clean and what makes it smooth or graceful or, you know, what energy do you want to put into it? Do you want it to be more graceful? Do you want it to be more uh, warrior-like and powerful? And so when we get present with what we're doing, it's just like there's always something new to explore in that. You comment on that and then we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, there's a lot there. The, the gap and the gain. I haven't heard of that, referred to that way. But uh, what we say is like, mind the gap. Uh, oh, there you are. So you froze on me. So we call it like minding the gap, which is, so where are you currently? As coaches, we ask our athletes, like, mm -hmm. where are you currently and where you want to be? And we don't focus on just like getting them to where they want to be, but the process of getting there is the most important. Because once you get there, there's another peak to climb. It doesn't end there. And so if you're always focused yeah. on that next um, metric or that next um, tangible gain, like that benchmark, that's okay. But if there's no extra depth in the wanting to get there, it's like the, the not necessarily the wanting, but the, the consistency and the practice and the intent to get there. You start to realize the more you do this, like, oh, I'm going to do this other peak and this other peak. And yeah, you've hit all these peaks, but that's not who made you who you are. That's not what made you what you are. It's all the steps you took to get there. And you can learn from those to then climb other peaks that you never thought you would ever climb. You saw the tall one over there, you're like, I'm gonna go with that small one. Good, do that small one. Because those small ones lead up into this larger one. And um, by minding that gap, we start to understand that there, there is so many ways to get to that spot. And there's a lot of ways that have already been built or paths that have been um, walked and crossed that you can walk those same paths. But if all you're doing is walking that path and getting to the peak, getting to the summit, 
are you learning how to enjoy this process further, or is it now just like a, it's a tiring process because you just you're tired of getting to those points. You stopped realizing what was happening in those moments and those those blissful opportunities of just like failing again and again and again. But in that, those failures, you're not actually failing anything. You're just experiencing the process. We have to go through those to learn from them. Just like injuries and pains, we're not going to avoid them. If we are avoiding them, we're probably not living our life very well or fully and holistically. We're probably avoiding a lot of things in our life to not get hurt, to not experience pain. But in those experiences, you come out learning something, maybe the time it takes to recover, or doing something better and more fluidly. And in that, it carries over, again, those non-specific gains, that it's not about the, to the B spot, it's now what you've learned in those that is gonna get you to all the rest of the alphabet, or not even the alphabet. You wanna carry it over to playing music, or to talking with your child, or to just cooking better. It's like those experiences get intertwined with everything else that we're experiencing. That if we're minding this gap, we're paying attention to that gap, we start to realize the enjoyment of everything else that feels like we're, we're gapped in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so something that, that I, like one of my mantras um, that will hope to, hope to put this into kind of a more of a summarized state is um, become completely what I am, release what it is I am not. And to, like, the, that could be meaning anything to anybody. But to me, every time I say that, it's a different, there's a different response. It's like, well, what am I? What, what do you mean completely what I am? And what is it that I am not? You know, and, and we start to define these things, but not be so caught up in the definition, but the releasing of these definitions and these narratives that we've built for ourselves. And in that, we are experiencing the gap of what we completely are, which is this, this body, this mind, this thing that can experience life for what it is, right? And what is it? Well, it's a lot of things. It's whatever you define it to be. But as soon as you define it to be that one thing, realize that it can be defined infinite other ways. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, get, get lost in that, right? Get, like, I don't even know what that means, but get lost in that mantra. Get lost in that thought of I'm always becoming and I'm holding on to things that just I think that I am, but I realize mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not my emotion, right? I'm not my, um, the story. I'm not my past. I'm not my future, but I am all those things at one time mm-hmm. um, at any point in time. And I think we can get kind of into a circular argument here, not really an argument, but just well, what do we do from this? And I think it is that taking that first step. It's just doing something that is a little bit different than your day-to-day. Eat with your left hand this time when you normally eat with your right. Try cutting up the onion with your other side. Maybe you lay on your bed a little different angle. Like I do a lot of quirky, weird things that my wife, uh, I married her for accepting me of these things. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a weirdo, man, but I love it. And so, I I, it. It just, but you play with these things, and I find so much joy and like playfulness to it that I want others mm-hmm. to do or experience that for themselves. Because I think that's really what we're here to do: is release the things we, that we aren't um, and become who we all are, which is this community, this this uh, collective. But we're not all thinking the exact same way. We don't all come from the same histories, and we're not all going towards the same future. But we're all a part of it, nonetheless. So, how can we kind of uh, respect those differences and those gaps? and help each other find where we are all meant to, to be going. And that's just in the process. It's walking the path. It's not stopping and just staying there, but saying like, oh, what path are you on? What path am I on? And to take little bits and pieces, um, and I'll butcher what Bruce Lee said, but he said, you know, kind of take what you need from every practice and release what you don't, um, and then apply that to where you're at in life. Mm.
Yeah, take what is useful, release what is useless, and add what is yeah. uniquely yours. Yeah, yeah there you go. Beautiful. Yes, yeah, beautiful, man. Release what you are not and become all that you are. It's uh, I can understand why it's a mantra and one to not necessarily answer, but just feel into again, like loving, living to or loving living the questions instead of having to find an answer. And I think modern society, we're not very comfortable with this idea of the unknown of something we can't quantify or see or experience. We have a, we don't have a, there's a relationship we need to heal with the unknown. And for me, I mean, life is best lived on the edge of the known and unknown. I think that is the pioneering um, path to be on. Like, I can't remember who I had this conversation with. Maybe it was you in a comment, but it was about pioneering. Um, you know, what does it mean to be a pioneer? And who is it? And what happens when you are quote unquote pioneering? And there's always an element of the unknown becoming known when you are pioneering. And for me, that is where life is just full of so much magic. I think routine kills if it's done excessively. There's always a balance. You know, we need to maintain this, this balance of routine and freedom. Yin yang, and this balance just comes in. It's a huge way of how I explain my movement practice. There's like the working in, there's the working out. There's the rest, there's the activity, there's the movement, there's the stillness. There's always these two sides of the coins. And I think to actually touching on what you said, to release what you are not takes surrender, takes going into this unknown place because who we think we are is who we've been conditioned to be how we've been conditioned to think this is what my movement practice should look like, or this is how I should look. When we release that, it can be a scary place because we're in this void of unknown. That to me is the baseline from which we get to create ourselves now intentionally. Once we release what we are not, we find ourselves on this white board that's empty. And now we get to pick and choose the flavors of movement of life that we want to explore, to feel into. And so it's a really beautiful thought process and meditation to just be like, okay, well, what am I not, as you say? And then you just ask yourself that question enough times. And I think it can be backed up by various spiritual practices. You know, you are not your thoughts, you are not your emotions really exploring that for yourself not intellectually understanding it but like just going in with all the labels you know i am this i am a movement generalist and being like what does that really mean and <laughs> going into that like am i just questioning questioning and then we end up at this blank slate and i think when we reach that place of quiet and stillness and labelessness to use a word that probably doesn't exist does we now. get to, yeah, <laughs> labelessness. <laughs> <laughs> then I think what's happened to me from my experience is something deep inside starts to guide me 
you know, when I get out of my mind, out of identity, who I think I am, out of the ego, out of here and into the body, something else starts to guide my decisions, my movement, practice, inclinations. And I think that's where uh, we live very much up here nowadays with everything we intake intellectually. And there's not a lot of like body food. You know, there's not a lot that's feeding like the, that, that like heart, heart stomach. You know, there's not a lot touching our bodies as opposed to our minds. Our minds get very easily stimulated. But what is it that's truly um, pulling your body in different directions? And so again, bringing it back, like follow your bliss has been something that I've used as a guidestone and a mantra myself constantly. It changes all the time. What is your bliss? Your bliss is where you feel most alive you can end your day uh, a really good friend of mine has this practice that's so simple yet so profound uh, she calls it your top five top five top five notebook and at the end of each day just ask yourself what were my top five from the day could be things you were grateful for for me it were it was times where i felt most engaged could have been a conversation could have been something I did, something I ate, but you just identify your top five for the day. Then you do that long enough, you'll start to see patterns. You'll start to see patterns build up over time of what activities are engaging you most with life, what things you're doing, what things you're saying that are connecting you with who you are, that are bringing you out, that you are most grateful for. So that becomes a roadmap to then what your bliss is. So you create this compass to go follow, which is your, your bliss. And again, it's a, it's a never answered question. You know, follow your bliss, your bliss is gonna change. But not to not get hung up on the answer necessarily. Letting your, letting your intuition kind of have, have more of a say Nice, man. I like that. Top five. It's a, it's a simple five. practice. It really is. But journaling anything and just kind of letting that, mm -hmm. you, the more you just kind of let yourself roll and kind of keep that between you. Like I get my own journal, my diary, right? It, mm -hmm. Half the stuff doesn't make any sense. It's just pictures and doodles and stuff. But I look back, I'm like, ah, that doodle has become something so much more um, in my life. And I, can, I don't know how to have words for it. It's just an exp yeah. expression. Um, you touched on something on, on, on routine and how routine is a killer. And I want to break that down a little bit just on kind of how I see it too. And, and yeah, maybe you have some thoughts on it, but I've been noticing points in my day and my week that feel so routine that I'm just not there. Like my body is like automated. It's a drone. And since, since recognizing that I've attempted to shift my routines to rituals to really be involved with what I'm doing. Some simple things like doing the dishes, taking the trash out, taking the dogs for a walk or a run, feeding them, um, getting ready for work in the morning, drinking coffee, like whatever the, the thing is that I notice patterns of this is just, I wake up and this is what I do, or before I go to bed, this is what I do, or during the middle of the day, or when something happens, this is just how my body reacts. 
and shifting that reaction to a response. And, and when I say ritual, something that means so much more to me, something that's intentional, like I am doing this thing and then asking like, why am I doing this thing? Well, it has to be done. But then getting beyond the, it has to be done like a chore and saying, like, I have the opportunity to do this thing. And I can, I can, I'm going to do this dishes with some lunges and some balance and some music yeah. playing or <laughs> mix it up a little bit, not just for the sake of making it um, or bringing in variety, but for the sake of really doing it and doing the thing that I am actually doing, right? It seems like mm-hmm. a silly thing to say, but think about, when, you know, the times that you do the dishes and you're just like, oh, fuck, I just want to get to the next thing or I'm too tired to do this or whatever. But then saying, like, I'm too tired to do this, and admitting it and going, I am doing the dishes. I just had a lovely meal. I have dishes to use. Um, how that shifted my mindset, um, my practice, and my movement, too. It's like I'm not just, I don't have to get my hour workout for the day. Some days I might end up moving for three hours. Some days I might move, mm-hmm. move intentionally for um, 20 minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes at a time for multiple times a day. But whatever it is, it's a ritual mm-hmm. of the thing that I'm doing so that I'm there. Um, and it shifted how I, I start to film myself too. Like when I'm doing throwing stuff on Instagram, like the reason I share is because I want people to see my practice. I want them to be inspired yeah, yeah, yeah. and to to see the parts and that I'm being consistent. Not that I'm saying this, but I'm actually practicing what I'm preaching. You know, and these mm-hmm. movements and these kind of daily posts are every few days I'll, I'll miss a post or something. But the ritual of posting for the intent to just continue to share in the consistency of my practice, how that's shifted my state of not trying to make things perfect, not just posting something to post something, but to, there's always a deeper layer there. There's always something deeper that somebody can catch on to or to sense, or like you see a video now of somebody doing something, like I could do that, I maybe can't do it as well, but that's not the point. I just, I'm gonna try that thing. And so trying Mm -hmm. to take this back to a full circle and your rituals and, and routines, when you go to move and you're processing somebody doing a movement that looks like it's so routine for them or so natural, um, that's just the thing that they do. You know, I'm thinking of like even X Games, seeing people skateboard and bike and scooter. I'm like, how the hell are you moving with that tool so effortlessly and gracefully um, to emulate that? I guess what is that framework of things that you reflect back on, maybe in your movement practice or when you see others move, that then you're able to process what it is that you're seeing on a less routine basis, but more on a ritual of like analyzing game film analyzing film and going, what is it that they're doing that I'm seeing that I cannot do, but not getting lost and I can't do this, getting lost in the what is it that it's going to take for me to do something along this line or experience something similar. Um, so I guess two-part question. Maybe what are some daily rituals or weekly rituals, monthly rituals, things that you do um, that you feel like you're consistent with? And then other thing is like, what's the framework that you're referring back to? And I'm able to share mine um, too, if, if that helps yeah, clear please. it up. But, but uh, go ahead and go for it, uh, Sean, and uh, maybe your daily or weekly rituals. All right, sweet. If I was not mistaken, there was a question on how I can, I break down someone else's, let's say, movements mm-hmm. that have become so routine, that have become so um, effortless for them. And then what are some rituals or routines that I have? Um, was there, were they for anything in particular? Not necessarily, just, but yeah, just kind of in general. Work. Yeah. And you're a mover, nice. sure. But like you still have a life too beyond movement. <laughs> you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. But actually that, that brings me back. It's interesting. You talking about doing some lunges with the dishwasher. I was watching out some, some of Ito stuff and he was saying how they was kind of diminish 
Um, potentiality, meaning when you say I'm going to train, training takes on this very, okay, well, you train in a gym, so you can only move or train inside a gym. But when you say movement, you're moving 24 hours a day. And so when you look at doing the dishes as a movement practice, it just blows it. This whole world comes alive of like movement is not just confined to a space, but to everything you do and everything you can do. You can be intentional with it and you can be engaged with it. And um, that was a beautiful difference I got from you between ritual and routine. Ritual is you're engaged and it's something it's intentional. Um, some routines that, well, let's say some non-negotiable rituals I love to do is morning meditation. I just find touching that place of stillness is just so important, especially nowadays, touching that place of being here and now just has been one of the things that's made the biggest differences in my life. Because you go from the mind level of who you think you should be, what you should be doing, this and that, to just, uh, I'm here right now. Now is enough. What do I want to do with my day? So it becomes very intentional. Um, other rituals I love to do. Cold shower. Cold shower is something that just invigorates me. It's kind of a non-negotiable it's something that is uncomfortable. So in a world where we've gotten very comfortable in weather, or we have almost perfect control over temperature in our homes and even outside wearing clothing, um, I love getting a little taste of being intentionally uncomfortable. So um, having a little intentional stressor that I put on myself, Joe Rogan said, like, create your own horseshit. And so you can <laughs> deal with the horseshit that life is inevitably going to throw at you. And so having some practice to get uncomfortable. And so we can expand that uh, our elasticity with dealing with shit. <laughs> and um, other rituals, bedtime routines, some type of journaling, some type of reflection some type of looking at my day and seeing where I came alive that day, maybe where I didn't come alive, what people sparked me, what people did I feel like I couldn't be myself around, what activities um, allowed me to express myself, so type of examples of questions that just allows me to reflect and then put that into the next day being now that i know what activities what people lights me up how can i do more of that the next day um, i guess switching gears a little bit when i see someone do something i make it very evident in my mind that when i first do it it's not going to look the same I think I come from an understanding of what I know, which is when someone does something effortlessly, it always came from effort. So someone tried something over and over and over again, 
And then, like you said, you make it seamless. You start to tie everything together and then it becomes effortless. And uh, it's interesting, depending on what it is, if it's a mace movement or it's something that is within my capability, strength and mobility wise, I'll just go from it. I'll just go forward and learn. I'm very kinesthetically aware. I think as I've expanded my movement repertoire and tried all these different, seemingly different disciplines and movement practices, I've just expanded my awareness of my body. And so it's allowed me to look at any movement and be like, okay, I sort of understand how this would happen. I'd have to move in this way. Um, but one of the keys for me is what is this person feeling as they're doing this? And I think that's a key component. If you see someone doing something like a, a windmill or a Tai Chi movement or a mace movement, you're like, what is this person feeling? Because how that person's feeling is allowing them to move in a certain way. And so almost doing the reverse There's what this person is doing, but then there's who this person is being. And I think with my movement practice, as well as how I coach is, yes, you can do a lot of things, but who do you want to be that is then able to do all of these things? So coming from a place of being, and that, as I found, allows access to something along that identity. So if you're someone who is fluid, and flows if who you are being is fluidity. I am water, I am fluidity. You're gonna be able to do things a lot more smooth, a lot more gracefully. And, um, but in terms of replicating what someone does, I think a lot of it's trial and error. A lot of it, and this is what I love to post as well. Um, Cause I get irritated at myself when I do something and it's a 30 minute video of me trying to do one movement. And then I only post five seconds of me actually doing the movement. I'm just like, that's not actually what I want to be seen for. Cause like, I want to be seen almost as this person who's just more transparent. This is actually what it took. And I think there's so much more value in that. So I'm not adding to the narrative of comparison online. And um, you can't always do that. Again, you can't post a 30-minute video of you trying to no, do it over and over again. No, is anybody going to watch a 30-minute video? Of no, is anybody going to watch a 30-minute Unless you get hurt doing something, some crazy shit that happens, then you might watch the full 30 minutes. But Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I've done that too, and people, it gets good laughs. Which is <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's curiosity. I mean, I look at someone or I'll imagine something in my mind, like a combination of movements, and I'll be like, I want to do this. I'm not sure how yet, but I want to be able to do this. And I'll just go through each movement and figure it out as I go with the intention to just make this movement a little more smooth or... I get to experiment. So it's an experimentation process as I'm going, not a performance, so to speak. Again, how we use the words to define what we are doing is so, so important. You can be 
trying to do something that someone else has done and there's a right or wrong, or you can see it as it's an experimentation. What happens when I try and do this? Okay, feedback, body's gonna give you feedback. Floor is gonna give you feedback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you just make these little, little adaptations. And um, before you know it, with a lot of what I've done, um, I don't count repetitions. Sometimes I do. Repetitions surely come in handy for a lot of different reasons. But I find if I'm trying to do a movement or a movement combination, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to 50 repetitions, I say, okay, I'm going to try and do this as smoothly or as beautifully as possible. And I just get entranced with trying to do that over and over again. There are certain mace movements, like the outside mill, that I could be like, I'm going to do this 50 times. But all I'm focusing on is one, two, instead of how can I do this as beautifully as possible. And in my experience, and actually how I think I get so strong in what I do, is that I just go for smoothness and beauty and effortlessness. And I'll do like 200 reps without counting. I'll just end up doing so much more because it's more intrinsically motivating to try and make something more smooth or to express something as you're moving. So yeah, I don't know, there's a couple of tangents in there, but it seems to be the type of conversation that's coming for. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, your, your motion, it, sh- it shows that, it sh- expresses that, uh, that beauty, that smoothness. And that, again, that's one of the things that attracted me to your practice and, and following that, because I try to fill, I, uh, I audit my feed on, uh, on Instagram on my professional page or I guess my movement exploration page, um, so that I don't get so caught up in one way of doing things. Like I try to nice. keep my, on that page compared to my personal page, I don't follow a lot of people, but I'll run through there and occasionally I get lost in like all whack stuff. I'm like, oh man, what's going on with the algorithm here? Like I want to also explore these other things. And so mm. I'll find and search out um, things that, the algorithm is searching me out now. Man. It's, it's finding me out now, man. It's giving me random stuff that I'm like, what I've never seen I've never (laughs) seen this before I have to search for it it just showed up so I'm like I'll keep reading this thing random is my name of the game man I'll keep it Um, but yeah it's it's uh it's beautiful um yeah I want to be respectful of your time I got to pop out here pretty soon man but I know there's gonna be a lot of conversations in the future um diving deeper into specific practices and and I want to of course hear more about um, your coaching and and how that Mm. kind of how you go about um, observing somebody's movement or assessing them or or getting them to where they want to be what that looks like because that's really the conversation that I think fosters most growth in in the coaching Mm. realm it's not about how good somebody can move but what are those like tough points that you know, you lost a few clients because you were trying to show too many crazy chaotic things without really understanding yeah, give them too many cues, yeah. too many things. And where have you find those big successes of people that may not be great movers, but they can move, they're human, um, and they can progress where are those big wins. So I'm looking forward to that conversation in the future, man. Love it. For sure. Love it. Um, how can people find you, Sean? Yeah, and so as of now, Instagram, working on the website, but the Instagram is just Pierce, And then... As of now, that's where I am located. That's where all of my experimentations of movements and explorations end up. And so that's that. I love, you probably find this too, but I love how Instagram has become like a movement journal 
of mine. I've just, I can look back and see my progression. I've seen who I've become and it's just, uh, it's where I learn. I can look back as a journal and it's really cool. What an amazing tool. Yeah, it's my virtual journal as well, man. I often look yeah. back to what was my, you know, a few years ago, what was the first post and I'm like, ah, this, that was cool. I never saw it going this route, but man, how has it changed? And yeah. it's a lot to reflect on. You've got little movement or video blurbs as opposed to just words um, or symbols. Mm. You've got uh, tangible expression and, and uh, colors and visual effects and all that fun stuff. Yeah, kind of see where you were and where you're going. It's pretty epic. So cool. It's pretty epic. <laughs> cool, cool, man. Sean, it's a blessing having you on. Appreciate everything you're doing. Keep it up. And I hope that everybody who's listened to this podcast goes and checks out Sean. Remember, that's S-E-A-N dot P-E-A-R-S-E with the at sign before it. Go check him out on Instagram. You'll be inspired and blown away, I promise. Until next time, Sean. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Peace and love, brother. Hey, y'all, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed through the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.